0: Hey, Blythe. Hi, Erin. Hi, Alice. Alice is our new podcast uh, partner. If we're lucky, we'll get a little woof-woof, but we could also get unlucky and get a big woof-woof. Alice, for those of you who don't remember, is Erin's dog, and this is Smile You Love Us. This is Smile You Love Us to all of our family and close friends. Those are the only people that are listening. They all know Alice quite well. Um... Have you been, Blythe? Well, I think the last time we spoke pod stuff um was before the world was on fire. No, no, we did a remote one. We did a oh, remote we did do the remote. Yes, okay. That was early though. That was that was early, early in the, we didn't know what this was gonna become. We didn't right. know like six months later we would still be living in an apocalyptic yeah um, plot, movie plot. Yeah, so here we here we are. Um Together, we are in each other's germ pool. Yes. And lest anyone fear that we are not complying with CDC guidelines, uh, we have a small pool of friends that we see um, regularly, and we have decided to be within each other's pods. Um, are the New York infection rates are low, and we are um, abiding by all rules. I did I did a whole yoga class outside today in a mask, so if anyone says that they can't... I run in the park in a mask. It sucks, but I do it because there are a lot of people around and just, you know, you just want to be... No one wants to get COVID. Blythe and I have been apart for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Another reason we were like, well, we're not going to not see each other when you're back in Brooklyn. Right. So I was extremely fortunate, like... Beyond, 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 um, lucky and yeah, lucky to be at Matt's family's house this summer. Um, love the Lynches, great, great fam, <laughs> and no one. Uh, well, no, his siblings listen to this, but um, yeah, it was really nice, and we love the suburbs now. So I mean, we we love Brooklyn, we're happy to be back, but driving to the grocery store is just truly. The thrill will never wear off on me. Let's, I just want to remind people that we are in our 30s. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I text Blight a few, well, some some housekeeping items. Yes. We, um. Oh, um, there is a pandemic. So right. we kind of put things on hold, as did a lot of the world. Um, we did one remote pod, which we will release. No, we've released Mary-Kate and Ashley. Oh, Um, but we have other remote pods from, like, many moons ago. We have two mini episodes. Um, one is a, at the time, ranking of teen TV, our top teen TV episodes. I'm sorry, shows. Um, I, we'll we'll still release it, but note that that doesn't take into account any of the many things we watched over quarantine, like Outer Banks. I was gonna say, we might have to do, like, a quick refresh on that. Yeah, um, revisit and just say, in addition to, um, we've since watched Euphoria or... I, I have not think. watched Euphoria because um, I plan on having children someday and I'm afraid that if I watch that show, I'll be like, nope, I'm all set. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, all, all set here with bringing youths into the world. <laughs> um, but I am watching We Are Who We Are on HBO, yeah. which is a great youth show. I mean, actually, that's kind of limiting of it. It's a really great show that has a lot of youthful experiences in it. Um, and then we also have, honestly, it's. I think it's my favorite episode of ours is Back to High School. Such a good one. Um, and I think, I don't know what happened that I didn't release it. So That's fine. So those will yeah. be coming. Yeah. And then we also have a few tricks and treats up yes. our sleeve. I'm... A big, big, big fall fan. Uh, My favorite season. It's Aaron's birthday season. Yeah. It's Halloween. I freaking love Halloween so much. Wife is like, she's about to stand up and shout. I'm into the spook, like, the truly scary movies, but I really actually just love the teen romps. And I was thinking about all, when we first decided to do this podcast and we were talking about all of our favorite teen movies, like, it felt like half of them were in the Halloween horror genre. It's true. So we're probably. Our, we have an ambition of doing three Halloween themed pods, this being the first one. Um, we'll see if we're able to stick to that schedule. I feel I have faith in us. I do too. Especially um, since we have nothing else. To right. Do. We still have jobs, um, but that's pretty much Chinchin. Chin- yeah, Chinchin is still having jobs, truly. Um, very very grateful for that. Um, but when people ask me what I'm doing, I'm like well, I'm out of podcasts. I've moved on <laughs> to audiobooks and my dog walks seven miles a day with right. me. Um, I do want to say though that well because we've already decided what our Halloween movies are going to be and I was talking to actually one of the only teenagers I know, my cousin Jack, um, although he's soon to not be a teenager. He's like 18. He's getting up there. Um, And he was saying that he loves um, the teen horror slasher films, Halloween 1, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Scream. Those are his favorite. And he says... Halloween is his ultimate favorite, and those are those are the movies that I think of actually when I think of horror. Te- like literally yes. those four. I think of like Jamie Lee Curtis. Like um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Because I think of a young Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street, right. and I think we've steered away from those only because they've been talked about so much. I think we've tried to pick films that are maybe a little more. We're not horror experts, at all. and there are horror experts, yeah, out and there, there are podcasts about those films, probably at talking like, about all four oh of mine at length that are really good. We did and talk about Scream I was gonna last say year. we did scream, so I feel like we've um, but I just don't feel qualified to talk about Halloween the no, same way no, that no, no, I no, do. No, no, like no. I barely feel qualified to talk about one of the films we're talking about today and like I definitely talked about it in college. Yeah. Like I definitely like paid a lot of money to sit in the yeah. classroom and talk about it. Um it's not it's the craft, no <laughs> Today's episode title is Hell is a Teenage Girl, mm-hmm. um, was is inspired by the last movie we'll cover. We're going to talk about Carrie, uh, the craft, and Jennifer's body. Yes. And we felt there's a very common thread throughout those that For we will sure. get to, um, but I just feel like... These are some really fun, scary movies, and I don't think they get a lot of love. I will say that maybe the craft does now because of the resurgence. There's going to be a remake. And I think that Carrie gets a lot of references, but not necessarily for what it actually is. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer's body, I'll go into um, some some of that, and maybe if we have quote-unquote show notes I'll link to um, a really interesting interview between the director and one of the stars from the 10-year. It came out last. It was an interview that was conducted around the 10-year anniversary of the movie. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited about that. So ultimately I had a great time watching these movies. Me too. And that is at the outset a hallmark of teen movies, and, like, teen movies that are deserving of being on our podcast. Absolutely. Because, as we said, this is not our job. So, Carrie came out in 1976, and it's a Brian De Palma film who is 80 years old now, which was, like, kind of nuts to think of, because he feels both immortal and how can he be 80 kind of a thing. Totally. Also, like, he's still alive kind of Oh, thing. yeah. He, like, yeah. made a movie a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but it was based on a Stephen King novel of the same name that had come out only two years ago. I mean, sorry, two years before the film was made. And I didn't, really dig into the process of, of how that happened so quickly. But it is notable that it's the very first Stephen King adaptation. And... I've- I saw that in your notes. That is nuts. Yeah. Now there have been obviously over over a hundred different inter- like adaptations, derivative works, um, and I think if you really think about sp- spooky season and Halloween and all of that, like it's hard to not have at least one new piece of Stephen King literature adjacent content out yeah. in the world um you know Castle Rock was a show that was on uh what you call it Hulu a few years ago um dr sleep came out this year like it's just always in the... it has had oh several, yeah oh god like, yeah remakes. that's still very much a thing so um yeah Carrie is centered around this girl Carrie white And she is a social reject who, I mean, basically, if you haven't seen the plot of Carrie, you're probably extremely familiar with the really haunting shot of a girl covered in blood. She's bullied at school. Um, The girls who bully her get kind of punished because of what horrible snots and mean, mean people they are. Um, There's weird weird amounts of corporal punishment from the gym teacher. There's, like, a lot of slapping of students. Yeah. Um, which I was just like, oh, the 70s. Um, <laughs> and, I, and it is played for, like, kind of a shock and, like, a motivating, horrible thing to happen. Um, but nonetheless, wow. Uh, and then, so Carrie's home life is really bad because her mom is, like, this crazy religious, um, repenting, like, she's not under a particular religion, which I think is really smart. Shades of evangelicalism. Yeah. It's obvious that, like, she found a passion for religion after her husband left her. Right. Um, so it seems that she sort of, like, went... She's like a... Yeah. A born-again. But, like, but, you know, everything is a sin and everything is you know like it's very it's very well done like you said in terms of like there's a non-denomination i mean obviously it's, right. today it's or Christ- christian yeah, right. but um it's she's not like billy gramming it or anything and the know? thing that's interesting especially when you look at the the movies that we'll talk about later in the podcast is there's because of the and of, of course this is the case in any sort of supernatural movie this can like uh all this Christian imagery Mm -hmm. and this film really sets it up. So, um, I mean, it's a very claustrophobic film in so many different ways. And the film kind of builds on that and builds on that until the climax. So ultimately Carrie, the one of the girls who's making fun of Carrie feels very bad that she was making fun of her, her and her boyfriend, um, out of the, I want to say goodness of their heart, but, it feels more like a guilty conscience decide to, that the boyfriend will take Carrie to prom. Uh, this girl, Chris, is really mad at the the fact that she got in trouble because she was making fun of Carrie. Um, the actress who plays her actually married Brian De Palma, and they were married for like 10 years, which is hilarious based on... Do they meet on set? I don't think so. Okay. Um, and she and her boyfriend, played by a young John Travolta... Right, Chris is dating John Travolta, who is Billy Nolan. Right, and John Travolta in this movie, again, such a classic teen situation to have this very small part that would go on to be, yeah. like, a huge, say what you will about John Travolta, he's a huge movie star. Like, huge. And he had 20 years of opening movies with huge box offices and, like, yeah. I mean, like, um, and so Chris and Billy... Break into a pig farm, kill a bunch of pigs, which is one of, well, honestly, that's one of the more disturbing scenes. Yeah. And um, get a bucket of pig's blood so Did that they just store somewhere. I know. You can't, as with any good horror movie, you can't go looking to poke I, holes I in know, the plot. I know. You just have to be like, yeah. And so uh, Carrie goes to the prom with Tommy. Yeah. Tommy. Yeah. All these 70s names. I know. And Carrie and Tommy get elected prom queen. Um, oh, I'm leaving out the biggest detail of all. Carrie discovers that she has telekinesis. And Carrie has this telekinesis, and um, she rebels against her mother when her mother tells her that she shouldn't go to the dance because... I said that this would be brief, and it has been nothing but brief. <laughs> um, her mom says that she can't go to the dance and because everyone will laugh at her, and Carrie goes kind of berserk and starts using her powers more forcefully. It's been kind of mounting the whole um, episode. I mean movie. Jesus. It's too much Netflix. Then she gets to the dance, the pig's blood gets spilled on her in a moment of like true joy. Mm-hmm. Tommy dies. I'm pretty sure Tommy gets hit on the head yeah. and dies. Like like Yeah. Tommy mm- oh Tommy dies. Like, oh, yeah. from the, I mean, everyone dies ultimately, but like no, when he no. gets hit on the head, oh, yes, he no, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Carrie just goes berserk and um, locks them all in the gym, and uh, there's some really, really stylized minutes of the movie, very 70s, but also really cool. And the music, the score of the film is honestly so vital and I think that that's something that horror movies um have kind of like moved away from in modern times is having these school like you can say less and do more kind of thing um yeah and then the movie ends with um Carrie and her mother dying with more religious imagery um There's some... There's no subplots, which I appreciate. This has been way too long and winding. (laughs) And and you should watch Carrie. Sissy Spacek is so, um, like, astoundingly unique looking. I think she's beautiful. She just has this crazy look about her. And Mm -hmm. she was older when this was filmed. Like, she wasn't in high... She was, like, in her 20s. You could have fooled me. I think, like, the casting was very well done yeah. in terms of everyone looked like, looked like a teen. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, she's so good. I mean, she's like, I think we talked about it a little bit. It's like a very, she seems to have, you know, a, a plain face, right? But if you look at her for over more than three seconds, right. you're like, actually, she's like stunningly beautiful right. and like very, has like very she's interesting Absolutely. She's very captivating features. to Absolutely. Look at. Yeah. But the movie does a really good job of like her hair is always in her face, like, you know, her hair's really straight and kind of like a dirty blonde color. There's, you know, or it's, it's like red, right? It's red, it's red, it's red yeah. Red, yeah. Um, but it's not like a... And, well, and I think the way that, that and I, I'm sure that at one point in time I knew this, but the way that it's filmed, whatever lenses they use are, first of all, so 70s, but it has this, like, gothic soap opera feel to it where it's like, very dreamy and romantic in certain ways when you have this high school dance like there's one point where they're bringing out all these decorations and they're Mm -hmm. sparkling and they're like so 70s and she says oh it's so beautiful and it's like it's really gaudy but it is kind of beautiful in that way but then you have these like really bizarre you know things going on at home in her home life Mm -hmm. and with these mean high schoolers and it has this like you know flip grotesque side to it um it's i mean it's a great movie yeah and but i think that's also what makes it a great teen movie in a way that like halloween necessarily isn't like halloween is like surface level it's about teens but it's really just like fun slasher totally whereas like this gets down into like some deep insecurities about being like a young teenage girl i mean there's like the girls in the movie, there's just so much about female female girlies. bodies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's well, and it's, it's like a, a weirdly erotic movie for in certain scenes because of how, like that's her mother's whole thing is like that, you know, you shouldn't be this, like shouldn't have a mature body even yeah. though that's literally biology. Um, and so, you know, the, the opening sequence is like, Four minutes of just Sissy Spacek showering. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, she showers again when she's got all the blood on her. Mm-hmm. It's, like, really focused on... You see Sissy Spacek's boobs, like, four or five times in this movie. And it's not a sexy movie, you know, by any no. means. Um And I don't think that they're shown... No, no, no. It's like, not gratuitous. No. Right? No. And it's not even that sexy. It's more... You're just... I think it's done almost to remind you that, like, she is a woman. Every nude scene is, is showing like a different vulnerability or is showing like a different aspect of like the way that women's bodies are just so up for up for grabs there's one scene that is so in in concept out of place where they're Doing their penance in gym class. Mm -hmm. And it feels like we're in a Richard Linklater movie all of a sudden. Oh, okay. Their detention is, like, what people in Soho pay $40. Even that, that it's, like, Mm -hmm. the punishment is... Abuse of the body. Right. Or that, like, the body... That this is seen as an abuse. As opposed to, like, the guys in the film who are, like, track stars, right? Like, their athletic ability is something of note. Whereas for them, it's, like, your punishment is... Yeah, you know, to, to actively use your bodies. There's a lot, I mean, a lot of feminist discourse on Carrie, yeah. and a lot of Brian De Palma's films, less so like Stephen King, but um, I just think it's really important film in the context of the 70s, in the context of horror, in the context of pretty much everyone who went on to be successful afterwards' careers, um, and It is a a really great movie about teenagers Mm -hmm. and that um, even in the end, like the very, very, very end when it sues kind of like dream, just this mind-body connection and what it means to be a woman, like it does hit you over the head at 30 differently than it does at 16. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to watching, I look forward to revisiting this movie now that I've watched it probably for the first time in probably five or six years. I look forward to watching it again in a couple more years um, and seeing kind of more things. Even, like, the scene where the mother is hiding behind the door and there's that mannequin there. Like, I could hear every annoying guy I went to college with being like, oh yeah, like the female form, but it's like, (laughs) this movie made so much money. This movie was such a commercial success. And it has all of this imagery and tension, and it's just a really, it's almost like a a very, it's a very American movie. Very American. Um, Yeah. yeah. Uh, On to other American movies. Oh my gosh. We're talking about The Craft, which was a big, big favorite of mine when I was, When this movie came out. This movie came out in 1986. So I had never seen The Craft before. That's great. I'm really happy to hear that. This movie came out in 1986, 20 years after Carrie. 1986, huge year for teen movies. Movies in general, but this was Romeo and Juliet. This was Scream. This was... um, Which feels like... Scream feels like a very different... It also just feels like how... Now that would never happen because there's two people in this movie who are in Scream, and that would, that would, like this would never that would never be allowed to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're too similar. Yeah, it'd be like if Lady Bird and Little Women were released the same year. Don't don't talk about that. Don't, don't what? Don't don't bring. I mean, that would be an embarrassment of riches. And those are just the teen movies. I don't even want to get started on the regular ass movies like good the good Independence year. Day, the Happy Gilmore, oh my God. the One Fine Day, Ugh. 1996. Just great movie. A one fine day, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it this weekend. <laughs> My friends and I were very into both Scream and The Craft. Um You were like eight when this came I out. I don't care. It's true. I was just, Clueless came out the year before 1995. Yeah, that sounds okay. right. So we were obsessed with Clueless, obviously, even though we were even though we were eight and we didn't I, it's no, okay. I understand the jokes. We were obsessed with that. And then we were obsessed with the crap and Scream, which again, yeah, well, yeah we were too young, but we didn't really care. I, it didn't occur to me that there are a lot of people who have never seen this movie, but I did a like straw poll of a few friends who who, who weren't my friends in high school, who I know now. Okay. I asked our friend Molly, uh-huh. and um, I asked... I'm gonna guess Molly didn't say Molly has never seen it. Yeah. My friend Louisa never nice. seen it. Ooh. I know. Um, Billy had never seen it. That's no shocker. Um, he... Only watches rom-com, teen (laughs) rom-coms. The movie stars Robin Tunney as Sarah Bailey, who is a troubled teen who moves from San Francisco to Los Angeles, and she's, like, broody and moody and... They set up right away that she's got a dead mom. There's just, like, a black and white photo put yeah and she moves into this like creepy house and she's like has trouble fitting in and they you know she goes to this like Catholic high school in Los Angeles and she's like despite the fact that she's like super fucking gorgeous she's like I'm an outcast like I'm a loner um and oh, but you know what Blythe it's what's on the inside that counts well no I know that for sure yeah. but like in any other film you superficial judgy person <laughs> in any other film she's the share Horowitz of the school just like I'm just saying Well, she did attract attention right away. Yes, she did. Um, She attracted attention from Skeet Ulrich, who is a very bad man in this film. Yeah. So, Sarah eventually falls in with, like, the group of outcast girls. She doesn't fall in with them. They freaking target her. (laughs) The thing you have to know about The Craft, if you haven't seen this movie, is that it's very loose with... Mythology around witches and like the you know religion of Wiccan, and it's like they basically make it all up. I read that they had a like witch consultant on set Shut yes, up. um who was there to like i guess check them on you know whatever witchy stuff they were doing, but they made everything up. These three witches they fully they categorize themselves as witches, and the school calls them witches. And they, you know, have like a loose, I'm just going to call it Wiccan because I don't even know what else to call it, religion that they follow where they like believe in this god called Manaw who is fully made up. There is no like, that is not a thing that in any religion. But, um, and he's like the, Nancy describes it as like, if God and the devil were playing football, Manaw would be the field they play on. Um, and... Part of this, like, Wiccan religion thing is that the four corners are super important. North, south, east, and west, okay? And Bonnie, who's played by Nev Campbell, is like, we need a fourth. Like, what we're doing, all these, like, power circles we have, all these, like, ceremonies we have are, are worthless because we don't have our fourth power. We need, like, earth, sun, water air we need all of it like it's you know it's like the zodiac all that it's like these four elements are super important these four directions are super important so she does you see sarah sarah has obvious abilities kind of like carrie she has like a little telekinesis she totally. has a little like she is like a they go to like a weird you know shakti type store you know like witches and um I, again, like a hippy dippy new yeah. agey store, um, and the woman—the type of store that when you're eight, you go to and you spend like all of your allowance on money incense, and, and you're yeah. like, I don't even need incense, yeah. but for some reason, you're like, right. Oh my god, a purple candle. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. One hundred percent. So even the the proprietor of this store, like, hones in on Sarah, is like, You are a natural witch. You've got real you're abilities. A wizard, Sarah. Yeah, exactly. So she's the real deal, whereas the other ones are, like, maybe playing... Not playing at it, but, like... They are fully playing. Okay. At it. They're fully playing at it. But once they get Sarah involved, all of a sudden, like, things actually start happening. There's, like... They're able to make things happen. Right. They do this, like, fun ceremony where they, like, drink with their sisters, and they drink off the same glass of wine, and they drink each other's blood, and it's, like, very PG, like, witchcraft, like... Yeah, you know, oh, it's yeah. like very, and I think that's why as an eight year old, they like, do like oh. light as a feather, so it's a board. Yeah. And then things get. nutso. Nutso. That's. We don't even. They just like, they make things happen, and some, like, Nancy. They kill people. Nancy, who's played by Fergus Salt, goes like full on crazy. Yeah. Her, like, greatest ambition, like, the thing that she wishes for is to, like, take all of the power of this god inside of her. Which is like that's pretty crazy. Well, and so as a first time viewer at that point, because they make a joke in the beginning. Uh, the movie *Witches of Eastwick* came out in the eighties, which is a great movie that was actually filmed where I grew up. Oh, yeah, and um, that is a great movie. Yeah, great movie, and. Uh, they make a joke. Breck and Meyer, who's in every freaking teen movie, um, you know, as, like, this, the guy sidekick, he makes a joke like, oh, those are the witches of Westwood mm-hmm. instead of witches of East. Right, Wick. because where it's set in Los Angeles. Yeah, like... and so at that point where her greatest goal is to take on all this power, when she wakes up the next morning, I'm like, oh, is there, like, another guy? Like, is someone, like, walking out of the ocean? Like, are we about to meet... A new character, and I think that that also is because like. And then my mind started going into like Practical Magic territory. I was watching The Craft, and I was like, you know what? I really just wish I was watching Practical Magic. Right? (laughs) I rewatched Practical Magic a few years ago with my friend Christina, and we were like, let's have a cozy night. We watched Practical Magic, and we laughed so hard during it. It makes. Talk about plot holes. Anyways, um, great, great time. But yeah, so I thought that we were going somewhere else mm-hmm, when mm-hmm, that, in that kind mm-hmm. of like climactic scene. Mm-hmm. But then every scene after was a climactic scene. And I was just like... I know. What is happening here? Yeah, it all, it just like, it gets so unhinged. You know, one of them is picked on by Christine Taylor because she's black. You know, Sarah's just like been wronged by this Skeet Ulrich. Like, it's like very like, fun. Then it just gets full on crazy and it, and there's no, the escalation is not properly handled. All of a sudden, if Campbell's a bitch and you're like, I don't understand. This literally happened overnight. She like, got her scars removed removed. and then and first of all like she was gorgeous before she's gorgeous after the only difference is like now she's wearing a v-neck shirt crazy nancy goes on basically a killing spree sarah um has tried to explain to her fellow witches that you can't just like keep messing with people's lives it will come back at you and there will be consequences and they start kind of start to realize it at the end sarah uses like her deep well of power to fully take on men on herself so that she can take on Nancy. And then, um, you know, she, she ultimately conquers Nancy. Um, but it's, Uh, but Nancy, she conquers Nancy and things kind of go back to how they once were. Um, but it's ultimately a super depressing ending because Nancy is institutionalized. Yes. For believing in this power that she knew that was real. And that was really, like... Which is basically, like, where Jennifer's body picks up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, I would say that the plot of this film is as bananas as it is. And is, like, is unfortunately poorly written. Which I'd never thought of. Like, I always thought it was, like, oh, this is a good movie. Like, or not... I never thought this was a good movie. But I thought this is a fun, entertaining Great Halloween movie. I don't need to revisit this movie. I don't have to ever watch it again. I'm glad I watched it again because they're doing a remake, which is coming out imminently, October 28th, and it's done by Blumhouse. And they're usually oh. really, really good about... I think Blumhouse films are exceptional, um, especially they're specialized in horror. So we'll see. And I, based on some of the like clips they're showing, it's definitely... Um, an homage to the original but seems to take it in a very different direction which I'm excited about. So, I'm glad I revisited this film for that reason because I definitely will be watching the remake, but man, am I just like disappointed in myself for being so like I championed this movie so hard. You were a child. You were a child. <laughs> Like an actual child. I know, but even in, like, later in life, I was like, give me a seen the craft. Like, People who feel that way. Okay, Because yeah. I now, I feel bad for anyone who I told to watch the craft. Uh, on to our last movie, which was... I had the best, best time, time watching this movie. I'm, like, actually angry at anyone who had seen this movie and not recommended it to me because it just went totally under my radar. I think I had a little bit of Diablo Cody fatigue. Interesting. Um, Just because, like, her... Way of writing, like, there are lines in Jennifer's body that were also in Juno. Like, sure, she has a very, oh, yeah, we're very, talking about Jennifer's body now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually want to keep this really zippy because there's what was marketed to people, and then there's what the movie is. Ultimately, it is a equally, in my opinion, an equally billed movie with Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried... As the main characters, Megan Fox plays the titular Jennifer. Um, Amanda Seyfried plays this girl named Needy, which I can't even remember her real name. I know. And it's like, how is that a nickname for something? But it works. And then um, it's told from Needy's perspective, looking back at things that have happened. Um, She says as she's setting up where... She is now, and where this story starts, that hell is a teenage girl. Hence, the title of our film. So, our podcast, our podcast. We don't have a film, not yet, not yet. <laughs> Just us on camera. Um, so the film it caught me off guard that Amanda Seyfried was the narrator when I watched. I had it. no idea she was in the movie. So, this film was actually inspired by a real life. I shouldn't say inspired. Um, Part of it was taken from an actual true case. Um, This woman, or she was a teenager, teenage girl named Elise Poller, in 1995, was murdered by these men who thought that, or young boys, but they should have been tried as adults, who um, thought that by raping sacrificing and raping a virgin they would achieve satanic ascension and become rock and roll stars and so that is essentially where what happens at the outset of this movie to Megan Fox's character and then she comes back from the dead because of a lot of like they tried to put some science to it you know what I mean they tried to Fill in the blanks for I, us. I give this movie a lot of credit. They do a lot of exposition in a very short amount of time. In, in like, um, It's directed by this woman, Karen Kusama, who has only done a handful of films. And then she most recently did Destroyer two years ago with Nicole Kidman. That was like a very dark. Um, I didn't see that, but it was like a gritty film. And she's actually directed a lot of television, which I, when I was looking at her IMTV page, and like good television. Like, mm. they, if you have a prestige drama, she's directed an episode. Um, anyway, what were we talking about? Jennifer's body, directed by two people. Oh, they, they create this, they build up a great world. Mm-hmm. And the, the logic in it. Get You get down to it pretty quickly. Like, you know how these two girls are friend, have been friends for so long, even though they're very opposite. You know that Jennifer is, like, kind of, like, spunky and fresh and doesn't necessarily go, like, does go looking for trouble. And, like, um, so they go to this bar called Melody Lanes, which is the name of a bowling alley in, that, Brooklyn. That Brooklyn, in Brooklyn that Blythe and I... Uh, we'll probably never go to again to be totally honest but um it's it's this know. film was very strange for me because there is so much of my life in this film excuse me yes so first were, were you the snow queen snow snow uh well, first snow of all it's set, it's set in minnesota um in this in the fictional town of devil's kettle but the band who comes to town and keeps Let's talk about okay. the band. But very quickly, the band keeps confusing Devil's Kettle with Devil's Lake. Devil's Lake, North Dakota is, like, where my mother grew up. Oh, funny. Yes. And then, at the end of the movie, Needy escapes from mental asylum and is hitchhiking, and she, they say, where are you going? She's, like, east to Madison. Oh, yeah. I'm, like... This is... Not to mention the fact that everyone in this, like, the clothing, the music... The, the accents of the various characters, J.K. Simmons and Amy Sedaris especially, who are great cameos. Amy Sedaris feels like a little gift to you. To me. This, this was, like, very similar to my high school. I mean, we weren't in, like... I actually do feel that this high school, because it opens in a gym when, it, when you finally get to the high school, and I was like, oh, finally, an appropriate-sized gymnasium. Yes. I knew everyone in this film, like the I, I could point to people in my high school that were like these characters who spoke like them, who listened to the music yeah, yeah like the the wardrobes were very very accurate, oh yeah, but like a lot we went i mean I went to high school in a really unfortunate we both did era, era. the low low rise jeans, the weird oh, sw- the tiny sweaters yeah. the like oh God, okay, it's so, so they the film starts with Amanda Seyfried in a. Mental institution or prison, it becomes clear it's a prison. And then they rewind like two months. Her and Jennifer, Needy and Jennifer are going to Melody Lane's to check out this band called Low Shoulder. I this was where I really buckled in for yeah, the movie. Yeah. Because in I thought he would be in more of this. But in 2009, for exactly one scene, Chris Pratt is at the bar? Amazing. And Aaron is texting me like, oh my god, you will not believe the cameo in this film. And then, so first we get Chris Pratt, which I'm like, "Yeah, this must be the cameo of all, Aaron's. All of a sudden, out onto the stage, at this bar, the ba- the lead singer of the band, wearing what can only be now 20, no, 10 years, 11 years later... In a purposeful irony, but at the time maybe, it was like maybe a little too close for comfort. Mm -hmm. So much of this movie is too close for comfort irony. So then out onto the stage walks the one and only Adam Brody, Mm -hmm. also known as Seth Seth Cohen, Cohen, also known as the man who turned millions of teenage girls onto, myself included, like Sad indie music, Mm -hmm. and now he comes out and he's wearing all of this eyeliner and just so self involved. Um, and like, why you know? And then there's this guy in the band who looks a lot like Dave Grohl, and it's not Dave Grohl. And the whole time, every time I saw him, I was like, This can't be an accident, right? I really appreciate about this movie, it is so purposeful, and that's why I was like, Well, this is so authentic. I feel so, like, I feel like this is my high school because they did such a good job of, like, making this very authentic. And it does feel like, even though it came out in 2008, right? Nine. Oh, 2009. I was like, well, this is my high school, even though... That was five years after I graduated I high school. I had just graduated high school, and I think part of that is why it was, like, too, like, it was still too close, close for comfort, because I was like, I'm a college girl now, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to watch Felicity rerun. Yeah, I don't even, I don't know why I didn't see Jennifer's body. I, so, anyway. Okay, so this band decides that if they sacrifice a virgin, which Jennifer is not, but Needy tells them that she is, thinking that that will deter them from whatever their, nefarious the plans they right. have for her. So their thought is that if they murder her with a knife and then, yeah, that that then they will make an offering to Satan essentially perform this ritual, which the ritual when they go to perform it, when you finally see it in a flashback, is like on this printer paper, like all crumpled up. Like it's so funny the way that they, I mean, and it's not funny because this is based on a real case, but it's just so like... The details of this time mm-hmm. and and people of this time are just so on the nose. So Jennifer becomes a demon because um, we don't really know why at the outset. At the end, we find out why. And um, she starts to kill all of these men to essentially feed off of and needy realizes what's happening slowly, but in a very um, appreciated to my heart, like similar to Carrie, it was a little bit of a callback to Carrie that she goes to the card catalog at the library Mm -hmm. and is like going through and and finding all of this information on demons. And um, I don't want to spoil how the movie goes because I actually think that this movie had phenomenal, what they like to call set pieces Mm, and mm -hmm. that that was part of the joy in watching. Um, yeah. So I'll stop my recap there. And I think that what I really want to talk about with Jennifer's body is the fact that when it came out in 2009, um, it came out at a really interesting time in Megan Fox's career. She'd been on in two transformers movies and then she made this movie and then she had made a comment about Michael Bay being a quote-unquote Hitler-like on set. And that, pre- that article, that interview leaked right before this movie premiered. Mm. And so one that overshadowed all of the press... Um, and she was pretty focused on, like, maintaining her Transformers contract at that time, even though she ended up backing out of it, just, like, you know, trying to keep her job and livelihood. Um, but also, the fair, apparently the first um, trailer that they ever saw, like, d- didn't even have Amanda Seyfried in it. And the director was like, "This this is a movie about, like, female... And it really is a movie about how teenage girls treat each other mm-hmm. and how you... Handle things as a teenager, um, but it's also about this gross objectification of a woman's body in their teenage years and like the changes that come with it. And um, there was a lot of talk that Diablo Cody had said at the outset and has said since that there are a lot of different actresses that auditioned for the needy role, but like she wrote the film with Megan Fox in, in mind, and there have been articles. Talking about, like, maybe Megan Fox is really owed an apology for, for society, you know what I mean? Like, maybe 100%. maybe we just kind of really fucked this up. And um, I feel like the reason I probably didn't see Jennifer's body was because oh. it, the the press was so minimalized in terms of, like, hey, this... I mean, first of all, it's just, like, there's no reason that this shouldn't have been a huge hit. Like, Juno was a huge hit. Like, Diablo Cody was riding high. Um, I think Michael Reitman produced this as well. Jason Reitman. Sorry, Jason Reitman? Sorry, I'm thinking of Michael Bay. Um, And I feel like that I have feelings about like how Harvey Weinstein like had entire movies canceled or shelved or made certain actresses basically disappear because of what they knew about him. I feel like it's probably something similar happened with this. Like, there, Michael Bay is very powerful, right? And there was probably a lot done behind the shadows in terms of like, let's minimalize Megan Fox and this her, you know, indie career as much as possible right. because if people think of her as, for I think she is so good in this film. She's so good in this film, and the this interview that I would like to link to and um, I've referenced throughout that she and Um, Karen Kusama gave last year. um, She talked about how the sacrifice scene was really the most difficult scene for her. And she felt like it was this really meta commentary on the fact that she has just had to sacrifice herself at the expense of these big blockbusters. And whether Mm -hmm. it was a shorter pair of shorts or more cleavage or things, you know, just change a certain way. Um, Yeah, and I mean, obviously Megan Fox, like, Megan Fox has been famous for a really long time and she got famous, not famous, but she became a working actor. Like she was in Mary Keaton Ashley movies, and she's always looked like this. Like she's just an extremely symmetrical babe. Bo- bodacious. Right. Like yeah. she's just a babe. And yeah. that doesn't mean that she should be treated poorly. I mean, yeah. I like I know it goes without saying. And it kind of reminds me of the of the article, short story, whatever you want to call it, that Emily Rogetowski yeah. published recently about, like, I'm a model and I my body is used in all these ways, but, like, I don't actually own my image. Like, the photographers own my yeah. image. It's, to me, I felt, like, very, like, shades of that in Megan Fox's career and just, like... Totally. Um, totally. And I think the other thing that's really interesting is, like, Amanda Seyfried is so beautiful. Yeah. And they basically... Completely neuter her as a female in this until the end, where they, there. I mean, there's a very Diablo Cody twist, I would say, mm-hmm. at the yeah. end. Um, but Amanda Seyfried had been in Mean Girls, which obviously she was like a, a supporting character mm-hmm. in that. But in 2008, the year before this movie came out, Mama Mia came. Yeah. out. like right. the even if she, even if Meryl Streep opened that movie, like this woman had two blockbusters under her belt and is, like, literally an ethereal earth angel. You know what I mean? So it's like... Right. And, like, play the hot girl and mean girls. Like, it's not, you know... It's, um... I mean, we're all... You know, we're dealing with Hollywood actors, so, like, right. all of these people are just, like, preternaturally beautiful. But, um... I... I'm just looking back at... If I have any different... No, it's crazy. Oh, and the, the thing that I found so... I mean, the writing in this, and, you know, the writing in this is... I think what makes this movie so good to watch now is that the writing in this is so biting. It's so sharp. You know, just like that Juno thing where these girls say these, like, really mean things to each other, but it's in this setting that is so outrageous. You know, something outrageous is happening, and they're having these, like, fights that they're drudging back up from, like, ten years ago, which Mm -hmm. that's not you know, lifetime female friendship. Right. I don't know what it is. Right. And, um, or I should, I should say lifetime female friendship in, in your teens. And then the directing of it is just so like, it's an extremely tight film. Mm-hmm. It, it brings you on this journey, but it has, it, it's interesting. in the, the interview that I've now referenced 400 times, um, the director says that she didn't want at any point Jennifer to wink to the camera, like she didn't. She didn't think that that was appropriate, and I see that. Like Jennifer is very much victimized by this whole th- is the victim mm-hmm. of this whole thing, but the directing is almost one. It, it's almost entirely a wink to the audience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's saying, like, isn't this ridiculous? Isn't mm-hmm. this outrageous? Isn't this? I and mean, there's this one scene. In the very beginning, when Jennifer has her powers, where she's killing someone, and it happens off screen, and you only witness it's happening through J.K. Simmons's response, thinking that it's like just teenagers having emotions, yeah, and like it's a like, moment of grief, and right. it, Yeah, and, and it's pl- like, oh, poor kids. And it plays out for like a full, you know, it's a really tight, yeah, narrative, like the the moon. The film moves really quickly, but you spend, like, a full two minutes with J.K. Simmons as this clueless teacher who inexplicably has a hook for a hand. We never talked about that. Um, it's a full two minutes of him just being, like, oh, so sad. Like, two yeah. minutes, and it's just, like, It feels like a, like, a... Arrested a development. Mo- it feels like an homage to, like, oh, you know, there's always that, like, woodshop teacher that, like, had his hand cut off and, like, has a hook. Like, it's just, like, one of those teen tr- tropes tr- that... For whatever reason, I'm sure there was an explanation. I don't know. It it worked for me. I was like, I know this. Oh yeah, it worked for me too. I know what teen trope we're going for here. This like kind of clueless teacher. Um, And and there were other teen tropes that I, like the pictures that they take before the dance were cracking me up. Like it was just, it infused these truly kind of like almost slapsticky moments. Yeah. And a lot of the, which was only made funnier because of how... Seriously, it took the fact that Megan, it, like it was very serious that Megan Fox was a demon, and that is like a pressing issue. Yes. And then someone's mom is like, "Take prom photos yes. with your sister," right. <laughs> or just the most clueless people in this film are men. Yeah, it's J.K. Simmons. Think I have hearing a football star of the of the football team being brutally murdered in the woods. And thinking he's crying. And thinking he's crying. It's like grief. Um, Needy's boyfriend having sex with her, and she's having a full-on, like, terror nightmare because she and Megan are linked um, because of, like, their childhood. She's seeing her murder someone, and he's like, oh, am I hurting? Like, am I too big? Yeah. Oh, my God. That was... (sighs) It's so... And he is. He's such a good... Like, she really did write the, like, hapless, like boyfriend who, like, Needy is like, I'm, I have a serious thing I'm trying to tell you about, and you are dismissing me and trying to, like, just say that I'm nuts and all you care about is your stupid prom tickets and, like, your $8 corsage that you bought me. It was $12. Sorry. It's an orchid. But that's what made me laugh. (laughs) Yes! I bought an orchid it was, like, $12? (laughs) Did you make reservations at the Cheesecake Factory? (laughs) Like, it was so good. Well, and that's the The thing about this, like, that's the thing about a great teen movie, in my opinion, is that it nails these details that bring you as the viewer back to your high school experience. Mm -hmm. And so while I cannot relate to having my friend be a succubus, I can relate to huge arguments over what are incredibly small, petty details of things and being like, you're not listening so and so isn't coming so we made a reservation for six and now we have to change it to five yeah I'm and like, that's a big fucking and you deal. are so selfish for yes. just making this all about yes. you you know like right um yeah i mean i loved this film and and i do think and the carrie and jennifer's body both had those moments those like real genuine teen moments like even in carrie when tommy is obviously enjoying carrie's company is like you know has to keep telling her like I didn't come here to prom with you on a dare. I came here because, like, I'm my own person. No one told me what to do. And, like, I wanted to. Right. And I'm actually having a good time with you. And, like, a bunch of people are going to this party afterwards. Like, would you want to, like, grab a bite to eat and then I'll take you home? It was just, like, very – and I think that's where the craft falls for me. It's, like, there was nothing teen about it. It was just kind of, like – yeah, maybe that's where we're getting to after all of these pods. Is that in order for something to be a teen movie that ev- that evokes a f- an emotion, is that there has to be like kindness and believable friendships? Mm-hmm. I don't think we're getting at that thesis. I think we started that at, at the outset. For sure, when we yeah, first our saw... most successful teen movies have always been like that. Is mm-hmm. at the heart right. of it. And the most successful, in our opinions, and I will say the through line for all of these films is that like women get power and all of a sudden it they get painted as insane. Insane. I mean more smarter people than us have written about the feminism of Carrie and Jennifer's body and I think we can just say that like there's an obvious through line of the minute that Carrie has her period, her telekinesis gets stronger. Right. You know, Jennifer, the fact that she's sacrificed as not a virgin and turns into a demon because of it. Right. Uh, you know, there's just a and lot think, of... And I think the thing, the thing is, is when that came out in 2009, no one was saying, like, isn't that so clever and subversive? People were saying, like, oh, I thought this movie was, like, about, like, Megan Fox being hot and, like... Right. Like a hot Which vampire. is how it was marketed. Oh, my God. It was marketed as, like, sex- Megan, Fox sexy sexy, is a zombie. Yeah. Like, I thought she was a zombie in this song. That's how little I knew about oh, it. funny. I thought it was, like, My Boyfriend's Back. Did you see that movie yeah. ever? Okay. I, that was on my short list for Halloween movies. Um, What's-His-Face from Nothing You Do, the drummer. Oh, yeah. Plays a dead boyfriend who comes back to life. And, how old like, is he? In the movie? Yeah. Is he a teenager? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um. Okay, uh, so now that we've had a, a just a full thesis across the feminist... Um, well, yeah, the, the teenage... And I think that's, that is the most ironic meta-text of all of these, is Carrie comes out, and it's this huge success, and it's so enduring. Um, but Carrie dies in the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she gets her comeuppance, and... Uh, maybe that's why audiences in the 70s were cool with it. That's, that's my take. (laughs) Oh, I see. And then you have The Craft, which was beloved by, no offense, young, preteen children. Yeah. Children. Who were like, maybe I'll go into Hot Topic today. Maybe I... Yeah, you probably pulled out a Ouija board or played stiff as a feather, light as a board. And we're like, this rules. They definitely did not. Um... And like they kind of get their cup up, come but the, there's morality in that. Like the kind people are okayish. Yes, there's like karma is a big thing. In Sarah's the, uh, fine. At the Sarah's end. fine because and she she's very big on karma, and she like keeps trying to remind them like you can't keep doing this. There are consequences. Right, but there is um. Yeah, it just seems like. The, the women in this the the film are just like they're mean to each other, they're mean to and like I'm I'm fully ready to get into some superlatives if you are. Let's go. Cause I thought that a good one would be like who are the meanest mean girls? Because there's there are some mean girls in these three films. Cause yes. all of these three films deal with female on female harassment, violence, like I personally felt that the meanest girl in reality standards is Christine Taylor's character, and mm. she uses the N-word in the 90s. Yeah. And I watched it. I'm not trying to be, like, politically incorrect, but, like, if you said that to someone in a locker room in high school, like, that's really, really, really bad. Yeah. Um. And I watched it. And this it. was a high school in L.A. Yeah. This is, like, I mean, it was a private Catholic school, but, like, this was 1996, Los Angeles, like, I know, I know, I know. So that, and I watched it on, um, like the, f- on cable through Freeform, which is like uh, what used to be I, whatever family channel. So it was, blo- it was like bleeped out. And oh, I was okay. like, I was like, oh my god, I have to go back and like read her lips and be clear what, oh, yep, yeah, she said it. Like I was, like, that was so, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Um... She's... Oh, and there's a ton, I mean, they there because it was on Freeform, there was a ton of messaging at the top that was like, this film contains suicidal ideations. Like, ple- like national su- suicide hotline numbers were, like, at the top of the viewing, which I was like, oh, right, because this is fucked it, up. And this, and this is it, part of their, like, 30 days of Halloween or whatever? I don't know. I just... Saw that it was on free form and so I knew that I could get it on my cable box. I got it because uh, I did uh, a free, like, stars add-on to my Hulu account for oh, a week. Oh, look at you. <laughs> Which I have in my calendar that I have to cancel. No, Okay. Um, I originally, I mean, I think. But Nancy's kind of the second worst. I think, well, here's the Nancy's, Nancy's like being Nancy's, abuse call. Nancy's not a mean girl. She's just a fucked up person. Like oh. she doesn't like victimize. I mean, she is a mean girl. Like she's she is a mean girl, yeah. but she's like, I think of the fact that like Chris and Carrie is like mean to her female friends, right? Or like right. Jennifer is like super fucking mean to needy. Like yeah. you know. I don't. Nancy is a full on, uh, just terror. Like in general, she has a lot of issues. But I don't think of her as, like, the pro, the prototypical mean girl. You know, hmm. the way that I think of, like, Regina George, oh, right? right? Like, so, who's your mean girl? I was going to say Christine Taylor. She yeah. is, like, the pretty epitome. Blonde. She's pretty blonde. She's, like, um, you can't really say, because Jennifer, pre-demon, is a mean girl. Full stop. But not to needy. But kind of to But kind of to needy. Yeah. But, like, she doesn't really fit the mold because she doesn't seem to be, like, an alpha. She's, she's almost like an outcast herself. Right. Um right. And then the girls in Carrie, yeah, they're all mean, but it om- they almost make it seem like that's just kind of like they do it to everybody. They it's a herd mentality. Right. Thing they don't just... Sure. Like, they pick on Carrie, but, like, they're... I don't know. So I thought Christine Taylor was, like, the low-key villain of the... For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And she's just... They set her up to be that way. I would also like to note that the craft had... Halfway through the craft, I was like, Ugh, there are a lot I don't like snakes. Like I really don't like snakes. And I was like, Ugh, there've been a lot of snakes in this movie, but because like, you know, it's kind of cheesy, I haven't been too too grossed out. Um, like and then I'm like feeling gross just talking about it now. Yeah. So we can go quickly. But there are so many snakes at the end that I was like, Oh now this movie if this movie wasn't on my shit list before were it's also re-watching. that scene where it's, like, there are just, like, snakes and rats and bugs everywhere. That's the only part of that movie that made it scary. Like Yeah, and it was, for people with snake phobias, it was very well, scary. Well, just in general, it's very scary. But, like, there was no, there were a few, like, jump out at you moments in Carrie and, and um, Jennifer's body. But I, I, feel I like made a note that I found the scariest thing of um, Carrie to be when Carrie's mom is chopping the carrot. And it, like, does this, like, quick 70s, Mm -hmm. like, triple zoom in on it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Like, it's more of that kind of scary, that Mm -hmm. psychological, that looming threat that Stephen King does so well. Um, And Jennifer's body was just kind of, like, um, gory. Gory and disturbing Mm -hmm. more than, like, scary. Um, And I will say that the, the light of Jesus in Carrie was very scary. Yeah, the religious imagery was like... I was like, why, does his, why do eyes lie, his eyes light up like that? Did you notice how many cro- crosses were in Needy's house? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's... So I couldn't tell in Jennifer's body. I was like, is Needy protected because she has so many... Like, there's... She... No, I think it was like the body of female friendship. And it was the blood, right? She had, like, Jennifer's blood in her. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the end, that's what, yeah. Okay, so. What's the the high school that you would most want to attend? Well, as we said, um, I would pay money to have a gym class that is as aerobic as Carrie's. Yeah, I have no interest in attending a Catholic school in Los Angeles. That sounds like not fun. Um, As we were just talking about California earlier today, yeah, uh, more so just like no one seems to have fun at that school. Like <laughs> the the boys seem all seem terrible and skeezy, and the girls are I don't know. It just seems like a nightmare. Well, out. Um, so I think Carrie's high school seemed to have the most like stereotypical high school experience, uh-huh. which I would say like I I'm sure my high school was like pretty. Like, cookie cutter. Like, we had, you know, Prom King and Queen and all that. Um, I don't think mine did. Jennifer's body was too close to my actual high school. Thank you yes, very much. Jennifer's <laughs> high school seems just, like, the most realistic and... Um, I want the 70s. I want, I want that. That's yeah. what I want. All right. What about you? None of them. I'm glad to be out of high school. <laughs> um, I think that Jennifer's... Like I was most amused by the going ons at at Devil. What's it? Devil's kettle. Devil's kettle. Um. So I guess that, and also just I did notice. Oh my god, this gym is normal sized for a student body Mm -hmm. of high schoolers. Um, I did like that they had an occult section of their life. I know, and (laughs) and that she even referenced that. That her boyfriend Chip was like, "We have an occult section." She's like, "There's twelve books. It's very small." Um. Yeah. Okay. Your next superlative. Mm. As I'm chugging some of my wine. Um. So we have biggest glow up. Mm. Which is are we talking about in the film or are we talking about professionally? Oh, interesting. I was thinking in the film, but perhaps professionally is more interesting. Well, I think in the film, it's definitely Carrie, mm-hmm. like Sissy Spacek is wearing, like, Vaseline in her hair mm-hmm. and then has, like, a full-on... Like, blowout. Yeah. Yeah. And a 70s dude to... Yeah. 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 And a gorgeous, like, silk dress that she made herself. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's my pick for in the film. I think... I think you kind of got to give it to Amanda Seyfried as, Ooh. like, a career glow-up. Yeah. Because she's, I would guess that she's, like, quite well wealthy... You know what I mean? Professionally, oh, yeah. pulls in plenty of money, and she also does cool stuff. Like people mm-hmm. are like, "Oh, she was really good," and blah blah blah. Um, yeah, I would say that like a glow up of a real person, Amanda Seyfried is like definitely. Did you see the Mean the Katie Couric Mean Girls reunion? Yes. And she was she was lying she was lying in bed because she had just given birth a few days prior to a child, and she looked. Better than I will look on my very best day yeah. Photoshop. Yeah. Like, she was just angelic. Yeah. No, she's amazing. Um, I also said Carrie had the best glow up. Not, and... Uh, it's just, and that's what I struggle with because, like, she's... So Sissy Spacek like, was a movie star. She's a movie star. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, the idea that we ever, like, even think of Carrie as, like, gross or, like, not attractive. Well, she's is, haunting. She's haunting. But also, like, glow up. Also in the fact that she, like, is able to harness her powers. And it's just, you know, it's just, like... Ooh, that's a good one. You know, her tragic ending is so... There's no good, um... Makeover montage in any no. of these movies, and no, we're really missing that. the closest thing we get is when um Carrie's trying on cosmetics in the drugstore. Yeah, she's like has all the lipsticks lined up, and it's just like having like a fun like day like putting on lipstick. Yeah, but it's because it's like a Stephen King script you know that something really horrible is about like even if you don't know like I enjoyed I enjoyed attention. the 20 seconds where she was okay. okay, I am <laughs> was like good Carrie gets to be a normal teen for 20 seconds before she just lights oh, her gym everybody. on fire <laughs> um who do you find to be the spookiest of them all Spooky scene Nancy 100% yeah. for sure Veruca Salt whatever is that her name Veruca Salt isn't that her name isn't Farouk Assault a character Willy Wonka? Oh, yeah. Farouk <laughs> I think I do that earlier in this podcast. You called too. her Farouk Assault? Pretty sure. Farouk is the scariest. For sure. Um, and it's, I think it's, I mean. I don't know her from anything else, and I think that that really lends to the scary part of it. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, she's. Um... You can kind of talk yourself out of scary things when you know that that person like goes on to be in a different movie, or maybe that's just me. Did you see the Water Boy? She plays like his his girlfriend in that. I mean, show? I haven't seen the Water Boy in like probably twenty years. Okay, fair, 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 fair. Um, I thought yeah, I agree with you on Nancy, and then ultimately, what is the. Well, who do you think had the best cameo? Like, John Travolta, Chris Pratt, J.K. Simmons, like... Oh, the best cameo... Uh, Adam Brody. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to call it a cameo because he's... It's like a full role. He's... Yeah. I mean, and he's, that song has been in my head all week. That's hysterical. Week. All That means week. it works. That means all the spell works. I mean... It's truly been in my head all week, which cracks me up. Okay, the goriest climax. <sighs> um, it's not Carrie. I, I don't think I so. I agree with you. Um, I, I think Carrie is the most stylish climax. Yeah. It's, it's got to be Jennifer's body. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I would agree with you there. there and then is, there's a nice little callback to it later on. Something happens. That's a little... She oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, just gestured to Blake, and she caught on. Mm-hmm. I, I just want everyone to listen to it. So, do you think that there should be any remakes of these films? So the craft, the craft, is craft being, being it. it's not, and I don't even. Carrie's know. been remade multiple times. Yeah. which is a mistake, right? Like why, why would you would remake, you remake that? To film. Oh, Terrible. They're so, like, remaking let's like remake The Godfather. Well, like, t- they're kind of are they're doing that like weird movie about um. The making of the Godfather, and like Oscar Isaac is gonna play, uh course not Scorsese, no, Coppola. Coppola, yeah, I know it's gonna be interesting. People, a lot of people feel the way that you do. I think it's gonna be good. Uh, I'm, I'm making wild gestures with my eyebrows. She's, She's like, like oh, no, no, thank you. Um, so no, Carrie should not be made. Carrie's perfect. Je- and Jennifer's body cannot be remade. It's No. It is too of a time. I think, it's too... Yeah. And I think that Jennifer's body is going to have a enduring legacy. I, I think agree. it already does. I think that you and I are late to that We're definitely late legacy. to the party. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it does make me... I do... Th- I mean, Karen Kusama is still directing badass stuff. And Megan Fox is... Not. I mean she's like got three kids and is going through, I think, a pretty gnarly divorce yeah. and you know, probably has a lot going on personally. I can't wait for like I hope she writes a book.
1: Like, I hope in she the gets same... a
0: second I hope she just gets a second
1: No, I hope win. she gets a second one yeah. too.
0: I think she has a a, a career um in front of her, if, should she, should, she, should she choose to go, if should she choose to re-enter Hollywood, which I don't blame her if she doesn't want to. We've right. treated her horribly. Yeah. Um, but I also, in the way that we're getting tell-all books from Jessica Simpson. Best like, thing I read all, I mean, it's actually not the best thing I read all summer, but. I've had multiple people tell me that. I read it in, like, um, a day and a half. Yeah. Like, two, two. Sessions. I would love that from her. Like, when she's ready, if she ever is ready, if she ever wants to, like, tell her story, I am fully in it. Because I... I, First of all, I love the Transformers movies. Yeah. I really do. Well... I think they're great teen films, and... Shia LaBeouf was great. Great. And she was great. Like, and I know... And I... I can't imagine... What it, like, knowing her audition process and how Michael Bay saw her and how, like, I can't even imagine what it was like working for that kind of director. Like, ugh. I just, I feel terrible. I It almost, like, colors the film for me. Like, I, I don't even know if I can enjoy Transformers the same way. How knowing, often are you revisiting Well, that's the thing. I haven't rewatched in a yeah. while, but yeah. I was, like, a big fan of those films. Um, the best, what did, what did you think the best movie of the bunch is? Carrie. I mean, cinematically, yeah, but I think if I was going to tell someone to watch one of these films, it's abundantly clear that Jennifer's, Jennifer's body, body is for sure. the, the vote there. Um, I mean, like, I truly text Blythe about every five minutes. I, I finally stopped because I was like, she's, she just stopped responding, so maybe these are unwanted. <laughs> um, well, but I was just, I kept telling her, like, I had to pause, like, we actually started at the same time, unbeknownst yeah. to the other, and I was like, oh, I had some more come in, so I had to pause it, and she just kept going, and I was like... Spoilers, my guy. Yes. Like, stop. Well, because I wasn't even, I wasn't getting details. I was just like, oh my god, the best thing just happened. I, I, I yes. loved it. Yeah. I would, I would agree. Like, maybe Carrie was the best horror movie of the genre. I don't even know. Death for body is a pretty good horror movie. It is a really good horror movie. And Carrie, like you said, was very stylized, very like film, you know? Film and yes. italics. You can't take anything away from Carrie. No. Um, Jennifer's body you was see it, but I think that it's Jennifer's body was good and sharp and fun and well directed and well written and tight in terms of like all of the storytelling and you know there was nothing like left on the editing floor that you were like that was really you know everything came together really well yeah yeah the craft is uh, a trash fire and you don't have to watch you don't it. have to watch the craft please uh, actually don't. Um, <laughs> I was really satisfied that I didn't pay for the craft. Like, so, I'm very happy. I almost was like, you should just get the stars out on if you, because I feared that you had, like, rented the craft, and I was, like, gonna say don't waste your money. We're gonna pot again. We're... I'm very excited. But we're gonna, uh, pep it up a little. Yeah, I were, okay, so our plan as of now is to do, like... So much hedging. As of now. Sorry. I mean... No, no, I'm with you. Okay, okay, right. okay. I was <laughs> like, uh... Who knows what's gonna happen tomorrow? Um, so, our plans of now is to do some like kooky, fun, classic, little more campy horror films. And that will, those will be, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't even say horror films. Yeah, more Halloween. Yeah. Uh, which is Casper, Teen Witch, and Teen Wolf, which I think will be really fun. Just like, just totally fun and uh, just. Good natured, good wholesome romp, you know. It's yeah. like almost in the vein of like Halloween town, you know. We're like getting yeah really into the like. Disney. I thought about suggesting that, but like, I don't think there'd be much to talk about. Um, maybe Demi Reynolds, maybe that's about I mean, it. We could talk, we could have a whole episode talking about Demi Reynolds, but that would kind of get away from as She's the grandmother, yeah, get away from our, <laughs> our team, yes. Also, the, the chicken is like in, in middle school. I mean, I yeah, she is. Who? The chick in Halloween Town. Oh, She's I thought you school. said hmm. De Chican. And De I Chican. was like, I don't know who that person is. Saru <laughs> <Suruka Balk. laughs> <laughs> And then I really think we need to do a teen heartthrob. We're getting, like, maybe into our 90s films yeah. again. Like, I suggested The Faculty, Disturbing Behavior, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, Urban Legends, those kinds of films, yeah. Um, we're going But we n- it, we are halfway through in October, so yeah. And we're gonna narrow that shit down. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, and then uh, then we've got some other plans, but you know the thing, the joke about twenty twenty is, lol. Plans. <laughs> yeah, you make plans, and then God laughs. God or infectious disease experts, right? Yeah. So. So mask on, mask on, everybody. <laughs> and um yeah, enjoy and happy you. Halloween happy Halloween Ooh. and happy fall season tell me again the way you did back when like a child running wild